It's like we walked in on a good joke. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was the energy, the the woo there um, really got me going. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of Hi, everyone. Welcome back to uh, another weekly wrap up with YCAC, your kick-ass career. Um, we are laughing because uh, unfortunately, we have to do this as a recorded instead of a live uh, episode again this week um, due to summer schedules. So not so unfortunate for that. Um, but we uh, are taking take two at this recording. So we, we laughed a little bit about it um, because life happens and sometimes you have to just laugh at it. So, yeah. so hi, Louise. Welcome back. Hi. Happy Fantastic Friday. Happy Fantastic Friday. I, you know, it's a fantastic, what day is it actually that we're recording? It's a fantastic Wednesday. Um, and we hope that everybody is having a fantastic Friday when this, um, when this comes around. Um, how has your week been up to this point? Um, my week has been an interesting week. Uh, I think, you know, as we look at kind of reflecting back on our week or on the last seven days, really trying to, for me anyways, it's been trying to find that balance between all of the I'm going to say all of the crazy that's going on outside of my work life and, um, and then my work life uh, and trying to figure out and honor some of the things that have been happening um, out there and how I show up in my business. And so this last seven days hasn't been so much about, am I reaching my goals? It's been more about how am I, how am I preserving my energy and where am I spending it? Where am I allowing it to flow? How about you, Kim? Uh, I think I'm much in the same way. So I was coming off of um, holiday, off of vacation. Um, and um, then on Monday with the 4th of July and being um, from Illinois and um, being a parade marcher in a town, two towns over a couple towns over from Highland Park and having lots of friends and family there. Um, it definitely set the um, tenor and tone for um, the week. Um, and I have been, you know, as you were saying, what's showing up outside of our businesses and our work and what, and what we're doing in the world does play on our energy. Yeah. Um, so stepping back in after having 10 days away um, and then having this come up um, and not being there with my family and friends and feeling very removed and, and quite frankly, quite helpless uh, in the situation. I can't physically go hug the people I love so much um, and, and help them through their grief and trauma um, is very hard for me. Uh, so um, that is weighing on me. It's weighing on me that it's affecting uh, so many people that I love so heavily um, and that there's not much that I can do. And yet I am finding joy. I am finding gratitude in, in where I am showing up right now in my business, with my family, um, with my friends and family back home. Um, so it, it, again, it's not so much about those goals and what I've achieved it. And yet in a way it really is. It's about how am I achieving um, a level of, I guess, balance harmony, kind of finding that, that, that rhythm for myself that allows me to fully feel all my feelings. Right. Yeah. And, and knowing that it's, it's not a, it's not an or, right. Like it's not a, um, 
I'm either happy in my business or I'm right scared, upset um, about what's going on. It's an and, and you can, those things can happen at the same time. And I think they should. Well, and I think they very often do, right? We don't, we, we don't live this little isolated life that only one thing happens at a time. Right. Um, and it's not always all the bad stuff and then all the good stuff either. It's we right. have this mix, mishmash of things. And I know for myself as a fairly independent human who, um, who likes to keep moving forward and likes to keep, you know, uh, a positive outlook on things. It's, it is hard when some, some of the more, what we would call negative emotions. And I don't really mean that in terms of bad, like they're not bad emotions. They're just emotions that have more negative energy than positive energy to them. Um, it's really hard for me because I tend to gloss them over. And yet what I feel very deeply about is that I, I curtail that a bit and that I allow myself to say, here I am fully in my humanity and my humanity is hurting and my humanity is loving and joyful at the same time, simultaneously. Yeah. And so how do I honor both of those without glossing over the ones that, that hurt? Right. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think this whole idea of kind of glossing over uh, is a great segue into our topic today around psychological safety. I know that's something that you and I have talked about, you know, both, um, you know, in our conversations, but it's also something we talk about in our businesses with our clients as well. Um, and helping, helping humans deal with unpsychologically safe environments, but then also helping leaders identify their role in what, what that is and, and helping them create uh, and helping organizations be aware of what's going on and and creating healthier spaces um in 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 yeah at work it's kind of like what what we're all about it's what ycac is all about really when we boil it down to right is changing the way we work at work um and psychological safety is a big part of that mm -hmm. well i mean it's even in our mission right like our, our our mission at ycac is really so that everyone has meaningful work that they can show up and be be proud of and feel good about in their lives um that that they also feel like they matter right um right it's and it's really important that we have those spaces and and i think you hit on something really important because i think a lot of focus on psychological safety has been on how leaders need to show up um, to create psychological safety whereas um, there's the other side of it as well which is how do you show up uh, at work when you for whatever reason feel as though you don't belong you don't matter um, and and what is it for the for the individual human in the workspace um, to show up and not feel psychologically safe so yes there is the work that the leaders need to do there is also the work um, that individuals can do for themselves and for others, um, both within a, a team and then within their own um, employment, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, psychological safety, um, when I think when you look at the bigger picture, it's not, it's not simple, 
Mm -mm. right? Um, or easy often. It gets very complicated and um, convoluted. And I think that we forget that each one of those like areas, each one of those pillars has their own responsibility, um, right? The organization, the leader, and the individual. Mm -hmm. And to really, as an individual, I think is to um, figure out how to take that control back. What are the things that you can do um, in an organization? Because ultimately you have a choice um, is to do nothing <laughs> or do something, right? And so what, what can that look like? Um, what do you think are some of the, I'm going to even not even say some of the challenges, but what do you think one of the challenges is around um, around humans and how they show up um, or, or maybe what they can be doing when in a, not necessarily a fully inclusive um, environment. I'm not going to say toxic. I'm just going to say like, it doesn't really, you notice there's something that's not, mm -hmm. not right. It's not jiving with you. Right. And that's, that's really that psychological safety that we're talking about. Right. Well, I mean, obviously psychological safety does come into play very strongly in truly toxic environments. And I think what we're talking about today are more of those environments where it is low level toxicity, right? However, um, it may be um, perceived as low level toxicity by the majority of those involved. However, um, I think the, the those that are affected by it for sure would not feel it as low level toxicity. They still feel it as a toxic environment and, and really um, quite powerfully. Um, so I think so, so much of it, and I probably lost your question in that. So you may have to circle back to the actual question that was in there. I will own it. Um, but I think when somebody is showing up to a workspace and has field other, feels othered or feels like they don't belong for whatever reason, that is a, a really um, deep way that they have not been included, right? And if we're not included, if we, if we feel othered, if we don't feel like we belong, we no longer can show up in our full capacity to, to give the best of ourselves at work. So we're not able to show up and give ideas and feel safe about them. We're not able to take risks and, and challenge the status quo, um, right? We're not able to show up in those ways. And so I, th I think the, the key there for um, the individuals who are feeling that is how do we um, how do we find our own courage and vulnerability? And from a leadership capacity, how do we create an environment where somebody can be courageous and vulnerable um, in an environment that they don't even know that there's toxicity, right? That's right. the complex part of it because right. we may not, we likely are not even aware at the very beginning that there's that anybody would feel toxic because we're going about our business, you know, either as a team member or as a leader, feeling like this is a great place to work. We all get along. We're all doing stuff. And yet there are members of the team or members of the staff that are not feeling that same way because they have felt other, they have felt like they no longer belong and they are feeling whether it's microaggressions 
or, or some way that they are not able to fully show up as, as themselves. So again, I don't think I answered your question there, but that's what triggered while you were talking. Yeah. And I, I, it does. And it starts that conversation around, you know, what is it exactly like you as an individual, it's up to you to identify what exactly that trigger is for you or that, that, that event that is causing you to feel like you're not cared for. Right. And it, I think it's really important. And, and you talked about it was this idea of like, yes, we feel othered and we feel like we don't belong. And yet there are valid reasons behind that. And it's really about getting down to like, when um, are you experiencing that otherness? When are you feeling not included? What's exactly going on so that you can start to have some really good conversations with your leader about instances where you don't feel like you belong or that you're cared for? Because um, I think that's also a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the actionable piece of that, right? Workplaces can't fix feelings. They can fix behaviors and events. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that, right. As, and this is what makes this a little like, like sticky and, and, and not super crystal clear is because it starts with a feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it, it is about kind of, it is about digging into what that feeling is. Why do you feel that way? What's happening? And then these are some of the great, like I call them seeds for conversations, but it comes with that self-awareness. It comes with right? I am not feeling cared for. I'm not feeling safe in this environment. And safety isn't um, always look like um, like, like aggressive behavior happening. Like I fear for my mental health, but it's also around, you know, growth opportunities and feeling like you matter and you're valued. Um, and so those things start that um, those seats, right. And to start having those conversations around what is actually happening. And I think that's, um, a great place for like us as individuals in the workplace to really start looking at how do we start to now create a more psychologically safe environment for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think what you said was really just interesting there because it's as somebody who has felt othered, in a workspace, who didn't feel like they belonged, who would not have necessarily put the term psychological safety. Like I would not, even though I knew of the term, I would yeah. not necessarily have said, I don't feel psychologically safe. I use the term toxic, right? This feels like a toxic environment. I don't feel like I can show up and matter. I don't feel like I'm being heard. I don't feel like, and I mentioned it before, I don't feel like I can go against the status quo, right? I feel like I have to be a yes person and I can't, I can't make mistakes without huge repercussions. So when we when we start feeling that way, yes, we want leaders to lead from a place of inclusivity. We want leaders to lead from a place that, that creates uh, a psychologically safe environment. But what are some of those things that you think that your colleagues or coworkers could also be doing that would create an environment, create a culture of inclusivity of belonging and therefore of psychological safety. Yeah. So what do you think stops us from having those conversations? 
or, or bringing others along and, and really understanding. Oftentimes we're not alone, right? Mm-hmm. When we feel like we're othered, there are others um, who also are feeling that way. What do you think stops us from having some of these conversations? Well, I think that that idea that we are, I mean, we, we are afraid, right? We're afraid of be, getting in trouble. We're afraid of being chastised. We're afraid of being minimized. We're afraid of uh, being told we're not, we're not good enough, right? It's, it's all of those things. We're afraid also of being vulnerable and of saying, um, you know, I made this mistake or this is actually who I am. And I need to be accepted as who I am, right? If, if if I am going to show up in the totality of my humanity here at work and feel comfortable to be myself at work, I, I need to feel like I can be vulnerable, right? Because that that's really, 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 it's incredibly vulnerable to show up in totality of yourself, even if it's something, you know, minor, but if you start getting into uh, your, you know, how you identify your gender identification, um, your, your, uh, how you identify all of the different identity markers, I'm not going to get into all of them here. We know what those identity markers are. But as we start to bring those different elements of our identity forward, we can feel incredibly vulnerable. And that's scary. That's super scary. And so like, I know when I have felt that way, it has been colleagues of mine who um, invite participation, right? They they look around the table and they invite others to conversate, to, to be part of the conversation. I know one of the roles that I would take very often in meetings that we would have is the same dominant voices would keep being heard. And I was the voice that would show up and say, does anybody else have anything to share? It wasn't necessarily the team lead. It was my voice. And so my voice was starting to open that door for other voices that didn't feel heard. Right. right? So I think that's where, where the, where the fear and that vulnerability comes in. I think there's also that opportunity for us again, as colleagues to, to take action in different ways, even if leadership is not quite there yet. Right. And you and I talk about, right, leaders from all levels. Yes. Right? So we're talking about stepping in and showing that vulnerability. That is a that is a huge leadership quality, right? And to start modeling um, what a what a great leader looks like, regardless of what your title is or where you sit on the floor, right? And so thinking about, you know, how do you, you want your leadership um, to start to treat you and your colleagues um, and the department, the business unit, how you want your company to start treating you. Um, it can really start with like, let's step into what I think is wrong, right? Or what I notice is happening and let's start to do something about it. It doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be big. You know, that instance that you shared in that example is a, what is a small risk to take but then you start to um you start to gather data you start to see what happens and then you start to shatter those beliefs that you bring into that situation around um around what's going on and you start to get data um so key i tell you data makes a little problem well and it's it's interesting right because i know you and i were talking about kind of what what are those key 
tips that we would have for people. If you are feeling psychologically unsafe, if you're feeling, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily have had those, I had the words to use. I wouldn't have defined that myself as that. Yeah. Um, so if you are saying that you in your current workspace feel like, do I matter? Do, can I go against this? Am I needing to say yes all the time? Do I feel valued? Do I feel like this is a fair workspace? If you're asking those questions, you likely are not feeling psychologically safe. And right. so you and I started talking about some of the, the things that we think would be helpful for, uh, for individuals starting to feel that way. Did you want to dive into that a little bit? Well, I, I think what I noticed the most in conversations I have with my leadership clients is really this idea of, um, I don't know where to begin. Um, and I can't possibly talk to my leader about it. And so those are two beliefs. I think that hold us back that, that are important to look at first, right? So understanding what it is actually that small thing that where are you not feeling valued? What's the event that is happening where you don't feel like you matter? Um, and to start um, having some very specific information around that event. So then you can start having a conversation with your leader about the facts um, and, and not just how you feel, right? As we talk about behaviors, right? Is it feelings or is it, right, fact? And not to say that feelings don't matter. I'm saying, right, in the workplace, it's important to tackle uh, the facts to change the behavior. And so I think that over, figuring that out, so I guess there's two things. I just shared two things. Um, so not just one. Um, is really understanding what it is, like what's the event that's causing um, you to feel that way, and then to look at very specifically um, getting that information to your leader in that very factual way. Not to say we're not sharing our feelings, but what we're saying is that we want to tackle the facts, tackle the behavior, um, because that's what your leader can support you around changing. Right. Well, and I think the, the thing to keep in mind when, when you speak to anybody, whether it's, whether it's your leader, whether it's a colleague, whether, whoever it is that you're speaking to a client, a customer, whoever, um, everybody you come in contact with is a human. And we don't know how that human processes information. So I process information through feeling, right? Data is important to me, but I process more through feeling, right? And so, um, if you came to me with feelings, I would be able to process through that. If you came to Louise with feelings, <laughs> well, she would absolutely be able to help you process that level of adding data to it would allow her to dig in a little bit faster um, to, to then be able to process through and then move something forward. So as two different leaders, if, if Louise and I were in the same organization, right? If you and I were in that same organization, we would handle something like this slightly differently because of who we are. And that's true with anybody you come with or come in contact with. So lead with what you're most comfortable with. So if I'm going into a conversation, I'm right, which I've had to do in previous organizations. If I'm coming into that conversation, I will lead with feelings because that's who I am, but I will always have the evidentiary backup, right? I former attorney, I will have that evidence, that data as backup, because I don't know what that other individual is going to need to process this. 
And yes, very much so in the workplace that you tend to come up against where is the evidence? Where is the data? How how can we help you if we don't know what that data is? So I agree with that um, in terms of finding the, the person, uh, getting the information and then taking that information to somebody else. Um, I think there are two other things that individuals, that's really important for individuals to, to be aware of, um, is where to get support. So your leader may be a point of support for you. Your HR partner may be a, a place of support for you. If you don't have support within the workplace, find yourself a coach like Louise or I, um, or a therapist, right? Because somebody out there to help you process what is happening so you can start to identify what's real, right? Mm -hmm. Again, the feelings are real, but we want to get to the point of, are you seeing what is happening in your um, in your experience differently than what somebody else is? Likely, yes, but your experience matters. And going to somebody who is unbiased, again, a coach or a therapist who can help you process through allows you to um, really have a better understanding. And therefore, when you go talk to your leader um, and you bring that evidence forward, you have more clarity around that. Yeah. The second thing that I think is really important, and yes, this comes from my legal background as well, is know your rights as an employee, right? Every state, every municipality, every country, there are different laws that give uh, employees rights. And so understand your rights for wherever it is that you live. Because when you understand those rights, that can give you some guidance on what is possible for yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you have to take anybody to, to civil court or that you have to you know, raise red flags or anything like that. But understanding what's acceptable and not acceptable, there's a lot of places, there's a lot of places where psychological um, safety and, and the microaggressions that can occur are now becoming actionable offenses where you don't necessarily want to get somebody in trouble, but you have a right to bring that forward. And so knowing that and knowing what, what is supporting you may give you the courage and the confidence to have some of those candid conversations that otherwise would be really challenging to have because you don't even know what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, kind of brought to mind too is, you know, um, those are the three pillars really around in psychological safety is us, mm -hmm. our leader and our organization. And there's four pillars there too, right? It's those rights that we have. Um, and it's understanding what, what pillar can solve your, can solve what's happening um, to you and, and understanding that. Um, so yeah, I, I love that too. I think we, we forget that um, we do have those, um, rights um, as as employees, and it's important to know what those are, um, right? It's not always about leaving, right? I think sometimes too, it's like, oh, this talks this work this environment is toxic. I can't possibly work here. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't toxic environments that we do have to leave because they are not safe for us. Uh, and I also believe that if you're not looking. In your own yard and checking out all of the things that are in your long grass, right? When you go next door or you go down the road, um, you could be taking some things with you that maybe you know aren't um, aren't yours or, or aren't going to be beneficial. 
right. um, down the road. And well, not every fight needs to be your fight, right? You don't, right. you don't have to think about others. All right. There's that part of it as well. It's like, if, if it is not untenable, if you're not in an untenable situation, if it is something that is potentially even fixable, right, right? The, the organization is open to and ripe for culture change that creates more safety for everybody. What an amazing opportunity you have, whether you're the colleague seeing it happen or whether you're the one that it's happening to, to bring something forward and start that conversation, mm-hmm. right? And to, and to really lean into, um, again, I guess it's my favorite thing of the day, challenging that status quo and really starting to create some meaningful change within your organization because nothing's going to change until we change it. Yeah. And again, I'm not advocating for anybody to stay in an untenable, dangerous situation mentally or physically. Like do not. And if it is tenable, if you are okay, then please consider how, how you can use your own courage and vulnerability to impact change. Cause that's really cool when you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to hear from folks, right? Uh, drop it in the comments. Um, what have you experienced or, or what have you seen in, in that, in that positive way? What change have you seen when someone, an individual takes an action? Um, I'd love to hear those stories. I think it's so important because if we can't see it, we don't believe it. Right. And so once we, and, and that's, that's that those ripple effects that happen at organizations too, is that sometimes it's just that one drop in the water. It's you overcoming that one challenge or that one microaggression or helping a colleague do the same. And then it just starts to have a more positive impact on making more and more changes. Um, Organizations are many organizations are ripe for that. They don't often know what's really happening on the ground. And so, you know, organizations are trying to do their DEIB um, over here and trying to include everyone and make sure that those environments are safe. But there, there's a disconnect often with what's actually happening on the ground. And so starting those conversations, I think is what really will close the gap um, and start m- making change. Um, to those organizations who want to change. And again, like Kim said, right, we're, her and I are coming from a very, we also recognize we're coming from a very um, uniform and privileged space that we're talking from today. So what we're really wanting to do is to open the door for folks to recognize when they're not feeling safe what are some of the things they can do um, to, to start feeling more empowered, more valued, and to feel more connected with the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I will just uh, say again, if you are that colleague that is aware that this is happening, this is your opportunity to step in and to create a conversation that the person who is feeling othered, who doesn't feel that they belong, who is who is um receiving the brunt of the the aggression and the toxicity it it is an opportunity for you to create change that could make their workplace and everybody's workplace safe right, right. 
because we don't want to put the onus. It's it's not we're not looking at putting the onus on those that are that are in this this place of feeling unsafe at work, right? right? Um, what we do want to, and the reason why we wanted to bring this up is it it is it is so desperately important for if you're going to have a kick-ass career that you feel safe at work, that you feel like you're working for an organization, that you matter, that you're doing good work in the world, that you're making a difference. And the only way to do that is to create change in some of these organizations that are ready to make that change. So that's what we're here advocating. Yes, again, as Louise said, we are very aware of our place of privilege as we're saying these words. So please feel free to reach out to us if something uh, resonated, if it didn't resonate, um, if if you have any other feedback for us, we want to learn and uh, continue to engage in conversation about this as well as we grow and develop as the humans uh, that we are in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's my golden nugget. Where's your golden nugget? Um, I think my golden nugget was um, from what you were talking about with um, just kind of around that the courageous conversations. I know we didn't necessarily use those terms, but really um, just thinking about speaking in um, to uh, to that place of uh, that's challenging. So. Yeah, um, absolutely. For me as well, like we do tend to gloss things over, so we tend to. Um, shy away from, right? Those uncomfortable places. I like to call them those crunchy bits that don't feel super comfortable, um, but it does start with communication and conversation. Um, as, as scary as that may feel, it is really the beginning of creating the change that you want to see um, in your work and where you work. Well, and in the world. And in, yeah, well. Right? Because yeah. <laughs> that's uh, some serious ripple ripples happening with that. Um, we, I know we didn't mention any um, resources in today's conversation, but we will include them in the show notes. Um, there are a couple of, of good resources that we have um, that regarding psychological safety and inclusion. Um, Louise, what are we going to talk about next week? And next week, we're going to be back live again. So we're excited about that too. <laughs> uh, next week, we are going to chat about adaptability versus resilience. I think this is a really interesting topic because we often think of, you know, how we adapt to change and the fact that we are adapting to change builds our resilience. But I think they're very different. I think I'm fairly well in agreement with that. So it should be a good conversation. Um, and, and again, it'll be interesting to see kind of how we bring our own take on that. Because as we always talk about, we are individual humans. And we have our own thoughts on things and feelings <laughs> as we talked about today. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in today. Um, it's been a lot of fun to talk about, to start the conversation uh, around psychological safety. And Kim and I hope that you start your conversations as well. Absolutely. Everybody enjoy the week ahead and we will see you next week on the YCAC Weekly Wrap Up. Bye for now. Take care.